0: welcome the freaking pod welcome back in everybody another edition of the chris mathis podcast again chris mathis spencer mathis once more talking about some nfl football uh the latest from training camp we'll actually uh talk about my latest experience at training camp over the weekend a very uh i think it was cool some people were embarrassed for me that i dropped a pass from an nfl quarterback by the name of blaine gabbert second string quarterback for the buccaneers Uh, I guess we should hop right into that right quick. And then we'll move on into the big stories regarding Josh Jacobs, running back for the Raiders, Kareem Hunt, the latest on him and his situation in Cleveland, Matthew Stafford. He's uh, not looking so hot. Obviously he's got something going on in his elbow. We'll get into that here in just a few moments. But first and foremost, on Saturday, I went to Buccaneer training camp and a whole bunch of fans, as you guys can see on the screen, if you're on YouTube or Spotify, I'm sitting down in the grass where they separate the media from uh, the stands. That way you can't go on the field. Sitting down, I'm trying to be courteous of the people that paid for their tickets. So I'm sitting down and watching football. I posted a video of Julio Jones making his way back to the huddle. And uh, as soon as next thing you know, I look up and I see a football coming my way. And I'm like, is that really happening right now? Kind of a surreal moment. Is the football about to hit me in my hands or hit me in the head? I don't know. So two guys to my left, they work for Sports Illustrated. They looked like they wanted to get up and try to make a play on the ball. And I was more than willing to let them do so. I didn't want to go for it, embarrass myself. I'm also a guy that's going to wait patiently. So if it's coming my way and it's real close, I'm going to try to catch it. But I'm not going out of my way to make the catch. So while the ball's in the air, it's making its way towards me. I'm thinking, man, is that Tom Brady's ball? Is that Tom Brady's ball? And I'm, I'm thinking that because I was tweeting. I didn't see who threw the ball. Uh, I just see the Bucks quarterbacks wearing the uh, iconic creamsicle uniforms. And uh, the guys to my left say, no, that's Blaine Gabbards. And as soon as, I, as soon as they say that, the ball is two feet in front of my face. It never once tailed off. It never once lost uh, velocity. It stayed at the same speed. Uh, and there was this rope. And in this photo I included, you can see my view to the right of my uh, selfie right there. That's, that's the view right after the ball hit me in the hands and I dropped it. But there's a little rope right there keeping me off the field and preventing the players from coming where the media are. And so I'm thinking, okay, the trajectory of this ball is either going to hit underneath the rope, one hop in my hands. I'm catching that all day, or it's going to hit the rope. Instead it goes over the rope, hits me right in the numbers, right in between the numbers in the chest. I had two hands on it, man. The ball hits the turf and the crowd went nuts. I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. So, you know, I embraced it that I dropped the ball instead of just watching the ball roll in the grass and me sulk because I dropped the ball from an NFL quarterback, I picked the ball back, uh, pick it back up, throw it over to the ball boy. He grabs it. And I'm like, okay, that was cool. You know? So then I think, okay, I'm in media now. Let me post a quick photo to Twitter. That's how we ended up with this selfie here and this view, but come to find out Blaine Gabber absolutely missed his target on an out route. I didn't see a, a wide receiver in the area, I would like to go back and find a way to see that highlighted play. But the ball hit me right in between the numbers. I dropped it, man. And it, it was a huge hit on Twitter because it was funny. Blaine Gabbard, second-string quarterback behind Tom Brady, missed his target. And, of course, I dropped the ball. But all in all, I think if Spencer Hands Mathis was out there, he would have caught that ball. Uh, I think if I would have caught the ball, it wouldn't have been a, as cool of a story. I don't think I would have tweeted it out, to be honest with you. I think I would have just left it. So personally, I think it was better I dropped the ball.
1: No, I I don't think Blaine Gabbert makes mistakes. And I think that he was with his receiver, his receiving core over there. That's why he didn't see any receivers. He's like, hey, I bet you $50 I could throw this football to this skinny white boy over there. And he's not going to fucking catch it. And he throws a perfect dot right into your chest and you couldn't get it. Yeah, I I think Blaine
0: Gabbert got $50 from it. Maybe so. I looked over his way, and before you know it, they already went back to the huddle, and it was on to Kyle Trask after that. But all in all, a very cool experience. Uh, NFL quarterback threw me a ball unintentionally or intentionally. Who knows? I might have been the target it according intentional. to, uh, to yeah. Pewter Report. Pewter Report doesn't lie. Everyone
1: knows that Blaine Gabbard has never accidentally thrown an incomplete pass in his entire career. This guy is always on the money. He was. He's probably the best Jaguars quarterback that we've ever seen in history. I mean, this guy was – a first round pick with cam Newton in 2011. And he absolutely lit up the league for about six months. And then was taken away from the Jaguars. Now he's a career journeyman, but he's, he's the best backup quarterback in the league. And he doesn't make mistakes. Chris
0: real talk though, for him to be a backup, obviously not named Tom Brady. I was hoping it was a Tom Brady ball. That was a beautiful ball. And the spiral was so tight. I didn't, I've never had an opportunity to catch a ball like that. And I've thrown a football around with a quarterback that, uh, was very good in high school. Went off to Army West Point. Cole Wright, he's got a great arm. Uh, Joe Mancuso plays Canadian football. He throws phenomenal. He might eventually play in the NFL someday. I've never once had a football thrown to me with such a tight spiral. And maybe maybe that's what threw me off. Also, low-key, hands were super sweaty. It was 96 degrees. And I, it's not like I was playing catch, so I didn't keep my hands dried off. Yeah. It just, boom. And I don't know. I don't know if I want to give the rope the excuse as to why I dropped it, or if it was simply my slippery hands, or I just sucked. Yeah, just a
1: summation of excuses. Just, I would just use everyone in the book if I dropped that pass from the greatest
0: quarterback of all time. Uh, I'll there definitely wear that one. I think, as Mom said on Twitter, I think I'll just uh, I'll save my first and only catch from an NFL quarterback for Tom Brady when he decides to throw it my way. Football officially got underway last weekend. We had the NFL Hall of Fame game as the Las Vegas Raiders took on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And one thing that stood out to most football fans, of course, analysts as well, is the fact that star running back of the Raiders, Josh Jacobs, not only played a few snaps on offense, he played the first two offensive drives for the Raiders. He ran the ball five times for 40 yards. And some question if there was much to that, because who throws out a starter? not only to play one drive, but two drives, and also carry the ball five times in a preseason game, in a Hall of Fame game like uh, Josh McDaniels, head coach of the Raiders, did. I don't know if this is a big concern if you're a Raiders fan. This guy was a former first overall draft pick in 2019. He was picked 24. He suffered some injuries over the last year and a half. Uh, When he's been on the field, he's been pretty good. I I don't want to say he's been top 25 pick good, but he's been pretty good. And a lot of people question Josh McDaniels and his reasoning. And McDaniels said that he always thinks it's good for running backs to carry the ball in the preseason. There are a lot of things that happen when you're getting tackled and hit that you can't stimulate in practice. And I think that our guys had the ball tonight or last week, and he thinks that all the guys either caught it or were handled and had a great opportunity to make a play and be hit an actual gameplay experience. Is this a big deal or no deal at all? I mean, I think this is a huge deal because obviously with the new
1: regime regime of uh, Josh McDaniels, they drafted a new running back in Zamir White. He's listed as the second string right now. They also have Amir Abdullah and Kenyon Drake in the backfield. They've got a lot of weapons in the backfield. And this is a guy that the Raiders' new regime declined the fifth-year option on. So I think they may be touting him out there to see if a team maybe wants to trade for him. He, he had 40 yards on however many attempts. He looked good, but he was going against players that are not even going to make the team. Anyone starting a Hall of Fame game is most likely not going to make the team unless you're in the trenches. And I think that they may be looking for a trade suitor by starting Josh Jacobs in the Hall of Fame game to, see, to have some other teams see what he's capable of. Because he's injured a lot of the time. He's not on the field at all times. And I think he's a good running back. But with a new regime that didn't pick up his fifth-year option, there's obviously some concern with him.
0: Do you think that was uh, more of a test to see what they had in Josh Jacobs and how bad he wanted to play? Because you take a starter, you throw him out there in a preseason game when the rest of the A squad is not playing. It's all B team members. Here he is. Do you think they were trying to see if he has true heart or passion or dedication to the team? or What do you think was their main focal point in putting him out there? I think they already know what they have with Josh Jacobs, a guy that's going to
1: average five yards a carry when he's healthy, but he's not healthy all the time. And I think they were really showing them off for other teams to maybe make a trade for. I think they could probably – they could use another receiver. They could use whatever. They could use another cornerback. They, their defense isn't very good. I mean, they may try and look to trade him off. Even though his salary is only about $2 million, it's not like they're going to cut him. So they may be looking for a trade partner. But I think Josh McDaniels already knows what he has in him. But also, another thing this could be is that McDaniels comes from the Patriots, who have always had a running back by committee forever, ever since like 2007. So – He may be looking to see what he has in Josh Jacobs, but I think it's more likely that he's trying to show off to other NFL teams before the NFL season starts that, hey, maybe Josh Jacobs is up for trade before the
0: season. I don't think it was a good move, though, even if that was the intention. What if Josh Jacobs got hurt in that preseason game? Not only are you out a starting running back, but more importantly, if you think that they're trying to move this running back, he's no longer worth anything. And he's going to be sitting there on the IR or missing a lot of playing time this year. So personally, I think it was a failure on Josh McDaniel's part and I don't agree with the decision at all. Yeah. You usually don't
1: see any starters at any position in a hall of fame game. And to tout him out there in the first couple of drives was a bit odd. I mean, if it was preseason week one, this wouldn't be a big deal, but the hall of fame game is a, is the precursor to the preseason. And these games matter even less than the preseason already does. And, You've already seen the NFL delete the fourth preseason game. I think the Hall of Fame game may go away eventually, but to start your starting running back, number one in the depth chart in the Hall of Fame game is not good news for Josh Jacobs.
0: Yeah, if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm thinking, okay, they're not real sure what they've got in Josh Jacobs. Also, if you play fantasy football, this is a guy you steer clear from unless you find him really late in the draft and you think that he has potential to uh, – exceed his expectations because obviously the Raiders are questioning what Josh Jacobs heading into his fourth season in the NFL is capable of doing. Yeah, and the Raiders, I mean before they before they
1: switched from the John Gruden regime for different reasons, have sucked at drafting. I mean, Josh Jacobs was a first round pick the same year that Klein Farrell from FSU was a first round pick. Farrell's not even in the NFL anymore. Josh Jacobs is the last running back to be drafted in the first round that high. So the Raiders have not done a good job drafting as of recent. They did a pretty good a pretty good job this year with the new Josh McDaniels regime or whatever. But I mean, this is but this has been a bad thing for the Raiders for a couple of years now. And with the new with the new head coach coming in, new GM, new whatever, they may be looking to get rid of the old guys that have been there to try and change the culture of the locker room. Besides Derek Carr,
0: yeah, they also added Amir Abdullah, former running back out of Nebraska, played for the Detroit Lions. I don't know if he made another pit stop. Before he made it to the Raiders, but he's also in that running back room as well. So I think it is going to be a committee backfield, as we've seen in years past with the New England Patriots. Another running back story, Kareem Hunt, 27-year-old running back of the Cleveland Browns. Once a contract extension, or he did, the Browns did not make a move on him. And uh, he supposedly wants out of Cleveland. He's playing on a a contract that was a two-year extension. He's in his final year of that two-year extension that he signed in 2020. It pays him $1.35 million in base salary and $6.25 million in yearly cash. Obviously, they've got a a duo right there in Cleveland, a very deadly duo, and uh, Nick Chubb, who's a phenomenal running back out of Georgia. I don't know if this was the right time for Kareem Hunt to not only uh, request a, a new contract, but also request a trade because I'm not sure that the Browns, in fact, they don't want to trade Kareem Hunt because this guy, when he's healthy and when he is in that role that he's able to stay out on the field more than eight games like he did last year. He's a great running back, especially a number two back with Nick Chubb being that bell cow to have a guy like Kareem Hunt come off the bench. is crazy. And he had a phenomenal year in 2017. He led the NFL in rushing yards with over eleven hundred yards, uh, eleven touchdowns as well. No, I take that back. That was in 2020 with the Cleveland Browns. In 2017, he was a pro bowler and also led the NFL in rushing yards. So he's had two really, really good years in the NFL. And last year, two years ago, he wasn't even that lead back and still put up big numbers.
1: Yeah, look, like you said, Cream Hunch, 27 years old. And running back shelf life is maybe until they're 30 years old. So this guy has been a great running back in the NFL. Obviously, he's the number two behind Nick Chubb, who's a top five back right now in the NFL. But Kareem Hunt wants to be broken off at the age of 27. He's shown that he could be a starting running back. He is a starting caliber running back. He's a very good running back. Some teams are definitely going to be interested in this guy. And if I'm Kareem Hunt, I'd want to contract Ascension too because this is really his last opportunity at the age of 27 at running back because out of every position, they're probably the ones that go away the quickest besides maybe like a, like a return man or receiver hybrid type of player. But Kareem Hunt needs to be paid. I think a three-year deal for whoever wants to sign him. If if if, if he's traded away, they're gonna ha- whoever gets him is gonna have to give him a new contract extension. But Kareem Hunt is definitely in the right here, trying to get a contract extension at this time.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if this really will affect uh, the Cleveland Browns in their situation, as Deshaun Watson has been suspended for six games, and the NFL is going to appeal that now. But does this affect their playoff run? Does this affect how deadly this team could be, especially down the stretch? When a guy like uh, obviously Nick Chubb gets wore out down the stretch of the season, early on in the year, they're going to have to rely on that rushing attack with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback for at least the first six games of the year. By the time the end of the season comes around, by the time November December hits, they're really going to have to rely on that rushing attack. And if Kareem Hunt is no longer in that committee backfield, the Browns could really be in big trouble. No matter how long this suspension is for Deshaun Watson. Look, this is actually huge. This this huge
1: news because. Roger Goodell wanting to appeal the six-game suspension is going to end up having Deshaun Watson get a ten, maybe a year-long suspension. But if they do appeal this and then they come up with a new punishment for Deshaun Watson, he can also appeal it and play an entire season like Tom Brady did with the Flategate. So, I mean, they, Deshaun Watson may not miss any games if they if if Roger Goodell appeals this and tries to add on more games because the NFLPA is going to appeal this decision regardless of if they think Deshaun Watson's guilty or not. And then that's going to just delay this process even further into the next season and Watson could end up playing all 16 games for the Browns. But yeah, I do think this is big news for, for Cleveland because Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are a deadly duo. And you do need two running backs in the NFL in this day and age. There's not just one guy. That's just going to be the only guy on your team besides Derek Henry, who will be ran into the ground within the next two years because he averages way too many carries but I mean this is big news for the Browns but again also big news for the Browns is that Roger Goodell after hiring a a, an attorney that he said who whatever her decision was was going to be definite he's appealing that and then Deshaun Watson is going to be able to appeal that and maybe play the entire season so it may not be as big of a deal if Goodell decides to add games on to Deshaun Watson's suspension
0: yeah no doubt and in terms of fantasy football this Will push me away if Kareem Hunt sits out or gets traded. This pushes me away from drafting Nick Chubb, because again, being a bell cow back in the NFL these days just does not work out. the The guys don't last as long as they once did. Christian McCaffrey has been my running back the last three consecutive years. I drafted him first overall, three consecutive years. The third or the first of those three years, he had a great year. I loved it. Then the last two seasons, the guy has really screwed me over and has played maybe four, five, six, seven games max. And when he plays, he got me a lot of fantasy points. But at the end of the day, when you need your guy to be healthy down the stretch, if he's not there, that's the difference in a win or loss, and that's the difference in winning a playoff game in fantasy football too. So now, until I find out that Kareem Hunt is going to stay in Cleveland or they're going to get a new running back that's going to help out with Nick Chubb, I am steering clear of Nick Chubb. Unless he drops down, I don't know, two or three running back spots in fantasy football. Remember last year, though, they had that running back, that second-string running back
1: that went off for a couple of games. So they may already have the replacement for the number two guy if, if you're the Browns, maybe. I don't know if they still have him on the team, but he had some huge games in the first two weeks whenever Nick Chubb, I don't think he was playing or he was slightly injured, and this dude went off. I forgot
0: his name, but oh, he's Isaiah. still in the backfield. Yes, he was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Johnson. I think it was Johnson, USF running back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, no doubt. And he played really hard. And I think he had three pretty good games, two games worth over 100 yards rushing. And uh, I actually picked him up in one of our leagues. We played in two, or I at least played in two last year. He had a good game or a good year, uh, all things considered. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is still awaiting his next opportunity in the NFL. Obviously, he's chilling there at training camp with the San Francisco 49ers as John Lynch. uh, Obviously, uh, Kyle Shanahan has already said that They're moving on with Trey Lance as the starting quarterback. We have some updated odds for Jimmy G and his new opportunity where he could end up. The New York Giants lead the way, followed by the Cleveland Browns, Seattle Seahawks, Houston Texans, and even the Detroit Lions. Those are the top five teams that are landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Of those five, Spence, I'm not asking what the best situation is for Jimmy Garoppolo. Of the five, What do you feel is most realistic? I think the Browns are out of it. I think that Jacoby Brissett is definitely that next guy. I don't think the Browns can afford to pay a guy like Jimmy G or uh, afford to trade for a guy like Jimmy G. When they have Jacoby Brissett, they're still waiting on the official word regarding Deshaun Watson and his suspension. Seattle Seahawks, they're paying two quarterbacks right now, not too much money, but they've got Geno Smith on the roster. They've got a guy in Drew Locke as well. I want to say the Houston Texans or the New York Giants are the top two out of the New York Giants, Cleveland Browns, Seattle Seahawks, Houston Texans, or the Detroit Lions. Pick your top two out of that list of five teams. Look, with Baker Mayfield going to the Panthers, Jimmy G's
1: options have really dwindled down here. The Giants are the one that I think would take the jump for Jimmy G. But I don't think they're a team set up to win in the first place, so that would just be a complete waste of money for them. They should wait till next year if they don't think Danny Dimes is the guy. But the Giants aren't even close to being in the playoffs. The Cleveland Browns, I don't think they're going to go after him, like you said. The Seahawks, no way they're going to be paying three quarterbacks after they just got Drew Locke. And the 49ers are not going to be willing to trade Jimmy G to an NFC West opponent. The Houston Texans have Dougie Mills. I think he's the guy. Davis Mills is the quarterback for Lovie Smith. And then the Detroit Lions have... Jared Goff's contract on their on their payroll right now and whoever trades for Jimmy G is not going to like be able to dump off the current quarterback's contract onto the 49ers because all of these teams have quarterbacks that are getting paid besides the Houston Texans so I'm not really sure this list doesn't look very good for Jimmy G but I think he's a guy that's going to be he's going to have to get traded before the season starts because it seems like the relationship between him and Shanahan is gone and you don't want him just sitting around in your locker room. But that may be the thing. I think maybe a team's going to have to have a quarterback go down
0: because these five
1: options for Jimmy G, none of them make sense for me.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And I think that he could be a locker room cancer. Hopefully he handles it more professionally than that uh, because eventually word will get out that he could be, a if he is a locker room cancer, that you know he's causing problems in the locker room. He's, And that's not going to be good for his reputation because other teams, other coaches, no matter how much they want this guy, are going to say, hey, if things don't go the way that Jimmy G or that we hope they do, we don't want that in our locker room because that's just a distraction, and that's going to cause problems within. And then you got to restart again. Then you've already traded somebody for Jimmy Garoppolo. You're already paying Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that Jimmy G will handle this professionally. I just don't know if any of those five teams are true landing spots for Jimmy G. In their current quarterback situations, Daniel Jones is in a prove year right now with the New York Giants. And I don't think that bringing a guy like Jimmy Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to help out Danny Dimes in New York because he's not great enough as it is. And to have a guy like Jimmy G behind you, pushing you, I don't think that Danny Dimes could handle that motivation, if you will, that pressure from having a pretty good quarterback in the same locker room and the same quarterback room as the one that he's in.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jimmy G. I, I don't know. I don't like any of these options for him, but he's always been touted by like Richard Sherman as a great locker room guy, a great leader. And that's really what's kept him on the 49ers for so long with a creative mind, like Kyle Shanahan, who could have always used a a quarterback that can scramble. But honestly, I think that the 49ers may just have to be stuck with Jimmy G until a quarterback goes down, which is going to happen And a playoff team. If, if the quarterback goes down on a playoff team will, would be willing to go for Jimmy Garoppolo because he's a proven winner. He may not be the most, dazzling quarterback in the NFL, but he is a proven winning quarterback and he's obviously a good leader. I mean, the 49ers have been good basically every year that he's played. He's, he does have injury concerns pretty often. He's got injury concerns right now and he's got a big contract that teams like the giants and like the Houston Texans aren't going to want to take on because those two teams aren't willing to aren't ready to win. Not even close, neither are the lions. So I don't know. I think Jimmy G's just going to have to ride it out in that 49ers locker room until a quarterback goes down. One of the big ones.
0: One of the stories that you wanted to touch up on today was Matthew Stafford, quarterback of the Rams, and he's got a pretty serious injury going on right now, an elbow situation that's affected his ability in training camp, his ability to throw the ball in practice as well, because obviously this guy is their star quarterback. This is the guy that took them deep into the playoffs last year, and uh, he has to stay healthy. He has an issue right now, and you said it's, it's different from – tennis elbow correct yeah he's got an issue with his elbow I forget the terminology of it but he's got an issue in terms of both sides of his elbow being messed up on his throwing arm too this is a huge concern for anybody especially Sean McVay and the Rams
1: yeah look he's got something called thrower's elbow which affects the inside part of your elbow and the outside part of your elbow and this is a guy that throws from weird angles he's really the one that started the sidearm pass with the no look and Patrick Mahomes basically got all the credit for it, but this guy's been throwing from different angles his entire career. He throw, he has a very hard he throws the ball super hard. He's probably one of the hardest throwers in the NFL currently, and I think that that's really boiling down, and that's coming out at whatever age he is right now. He's probably 35 at the moment, so he's he's got about three more years left if his if his arm can hold up. But as a starting quarterback, he's going to have to be throwing the ball a lot for the Rams. And with that, with that elbow being a, a big issue in training camp right now, I don't. I think that's just going to continue throughout the entire season. And McVay said that he said that they're going to have to manage this throughout the next season. And it's huge news for the for the Rams who just won the Super Bowl, of course. Because last season, if you go back in the regular season, Stafford was not great. He didn't pick it up to the playoffs, and they may be able to coast in the playoffs this year. But the I don't I don't know if they can though if Stafford doesn't play every single game because their backup quarterback is a guy that hasn't played since the playoffs in 2019.
0: Yeah, Matthew Stafford, 34 turns 35 in early February of this year, right around the time of the Super Bowl in which the Rams hope to be there. And the Rams are a favorite heading into this season. They're definitely one of the top two or three teams, if not the top favorite heading into this season. But with Matthew Stafford having his injury concerns and having a guy like John Wolford, the second-string quarterback, have to step up in training camp, step up in the preseason, prove his worth, it's a bit concerning for me. Could Jimmy Garoppolo be traded to the Rams as a security blanket for Matthew Stafford?
1: No. NFC West. There's no way that the, that the 49ers would be willing to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, who they know is a proven winner. They just have Trey Lance, who has way more potential. And the NFL has always been about potential in the quarterback position. The, the quarterbacks that are proven winners, if they don't have a lot of talent, they get pushed out eventually and Jimmy G is a proven winner so i don't think the 49ers are going to be willing to trade him to the Seahawks or the Rams if either of those teams need him I, I don't i don't know why you would do that if you're the 49ers but the like you said the Rams could use Garoppolo, but that's just not an option
0: yeah i forgot that they're in the NFC West and uh right NFC West yeah And I think that it is going to be a question mark heading into the training or heading into the regular season, of course, through preseason in regards to Matthew Stafford. Because if he is down, that's a that's a big concern for a 34 year old quarterback An elbow issue in his throwing arm. I will say this. Matthew Stafford has played through some crazy injuries in the past when he played for a team like the Detroit Lions, a terrible team that never once made the playoffs while he was in Detroit and he still played through the injuries. So I'm sure he's going to allow himself to stay out on the field at all costs this year, no matter yeah. what, unless Sean McVay has a rein on him and says, hey, no, 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 we need you late November, early December for our playoff run. You're going to sit right here in September, October, if you do get hurt or if, you're un- if you are unable to throw the football.
1: Yeah, he'll be playing the entire season. I just think that this is a big issue. If they're going to have to manage this throughout the entire season, it's going to be difficult for Sean McVay's offense to get anything going because – their running backs cam Akers, and he's he was great in college but he hasn't done much in the nfl he's also been injured a lot they also got another running back i forgot his name but these guys aren't guys that are going to be able to run the ball the entire game which is probably going to have to be the case for at least the first six weeks if Stafford's still still dealing with this uh this lingering injury so
0: another guy that we've seen uh in terms of quarterback across the nfl carson Wentz. he has bad ankles He's not doing so hot right now, according to head coach Ron Rivera, and he didn't say that specifically, but he did say that uh, he has noticed some inaccuracy from first-year commanders quarterback Carson Wentz. He told reporters it's a lot better than what you give him credit for just because of the way things that happen in practice, but there's a lot of little nuances that we see when we look and we get to review his play. There's some inaccuracy, but it's nothing that we're overly concerned about. That's a big concern for me. Washington acquired Carson Wentz in a trade that became official as they swapped second-round picks with the Colts earlier this offseason. They also gave uh, the Commanders a third-round pick this year and a conditional third-rounder next year as well. The Commanders received a seventh-round pick too. And uh, I think it's a bit surprising that your head coach, first-year head coach of your team with Carson Wentz that is, is going out and telling the media that he's not very accurate so far throughout training camp.
1: Yeah, and Ron Rivera's been a a head coach that's had to deal with quarterbacks that don't have great accuracy. Cam Newton was his quarterback before in Carolina. Besides that 2015 year, he did not have good accuracy. Last year he had to deal with Taylor Heineke, who ended the season with 20 touchdowns, like 3,400 yards, and 15 interceptions, which is not good for a quarterback. I mean – over 15 interceptions is always bad and if you're mixing that with just 20 touchdowns that's a recipe for disaster and now you got Carson Wentz who we already know doesn't have great accuracy he had like 30 something interceptions dropped with the Colts last year only ended the season with seven but I think the the defensive backs were dropping these passes because they were just so perfectly in their hands that they were not expecting it and that's what they say that a defensive back would be a receiver if he had the hands to play the the position so Carson Wentz, he's going to be the starting quarterback next year, but he may eventually get benched, which has happened in his career before due to his inaccuracy to Taylor Heineke, who's 29 years old, also inaccurate. So the commanders aren't a team that's going to be good next year. We already know that. They do have a good receiving core, Terry McLaurin. Great defensive line, too. Yeah. I mean, they've they've got some young talent, but Carson Wentz at the quarterback
0: position is just not going to take you anywhere, especially in the NFC. Earlier in the offseason, Taylor Heineke spoke on – Carson Wentz coming to town and Heineke started majority of the games, if not all last season for the commanders. And he said, Hey, look, let's be realistic. It's a business decision here. They're paying him so much money. Me, I'm making less than $10 million a year. I'm not going to be the starter. Yeah. Heading into the season, he's correct. But that could also be a ploy in a way to get into Carson Wentz's head. Like, Oh, I got this. This is my job. I'm not going to lose my job. Taylor Heineke, he's content with being a backup. Was there any benefit to Taylor Heineke saying these things? And then, especially now that we see Carson Wentz is struggling with accuracy early on in training camp. Look, I remember Taylor Heineke saying that a couple months ago. And whenever whenever he said
1: that, I, I didn't like what he was saying. Because you look over at Carolina, Darnold's being paid like $17 million more per season than Baker Mayfield. But Baker Mayfield is most likely going to be a starter, according to a lot of uh, analysts at Panthers training camp. So to go out there and say that, Whenever the quarterback's getting paid a lot more than you, I do see that he probably was right then. But, I mean, there's always an opportunity to win the starting position, especially because Heineke was was paid off last season. I mean, just before the season started, after that incredible playoff game against the Buccaneers, who won the Super Bowl in 2020, he ended up losing the game, but he got paid off of that. So he's still being paid like nearly $10 million a year, which is like $15 million less than Carson Wentz. But like I said, you look at Carolina – And Baker Mayfield is being paid more than $15 million less than the starting quarterback. And Sam Darnold is probably going to be the starter going into the season. So Heineke saying that is never a good thing as a backup quarterback, unless you're like a guy like Blaine Gabbert sitting behind Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, because you should expect that you can surpass Carson Wentz on the depth chart. Now, a couple of quarterback questions and something that might push back the Steelers this season and prevent Uh, Head coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, for making the playoffs for the first time since he became a head coach in Pittsburgh. The guy has made the playoffs since 2007, has never once missed the playoffs. This could truly be the first year in which Mike Tomlin, or I take that back, didn't go .500, 8-8 on every year or better. This could be the first year in which Mike Tomlin doesn't split 500 this year without a guy in Ben Roethlisberger, who's been the quarterback for nearly two decades in Pittsburgh, and a lot of concern around that quarterback position when they have a guy in Mitch Trubisky leading the charge. He's officially the starting quarterback on the depth chart. Of course, Mitch Trubisky was the second overall pick for the Bears a couple of years ago, rode the bench after a year in Buffalo, and is the expected starter heading into the training camp or heading into the first week of preseason in Pittsburgh. And the depth chart says that. He's followed up by Mason Rudolph at quarterback number two, followed up by Kenny Pickett, third-string quarterback, and Pittsburgh as well. Could this be the first year in which Mike Tomlin does not go five hundred? I think that they go maybe six wins, maybe seven, if they have a good year. They have to really rely on second-year running back Najee Harris to have a big season. But with the amount of times that they're willing to run him, the amount of times that he wants to run the ball, he could get injured, and at that moment, he's done. The Steelers are done. They're irrelevant. They're a five-win team at best if Najee Harris misses more than five games. Look, I
1: think anyone – right now on that Steelers quarterback room, but if it's Mitchell Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, or whoever, it's probably better than what you saw out of Ben Roethlisberger last season. But I mean, if these guys don't play up to what they can, which I think Trubisky can be decent, I don't think he's the worst, but out of training camp, he's apparently doing absolutely awful. But this may be like the most wasted receiving core I have ever seen. I mean, they have Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. They've got George Pickens out of Georgia, who was a second round pick, and they got Anthony Miller that used to play for the Bears, And he was good. He just never had a quarterback in in Chicago either. So they've also got Pat Freermuth. I mean, they've got a lot of talent on that receiving core, but I I don't know. I think they may waste it, but I could definitely see the Steelers being a team that could make the playoffs just just based off of the fact that they've got a lot of talent on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. They've got one of the best head coaches in the NFL. I mean, yeah. So this team should make the playoffs as long as these quarterbacks can be somewhat accurate, accurate because – that receiving core is insane. Pat Fermi at the tight end. Najee Harris at running back's very good. Their offensive line is an issue. Their defensive line's great. Their linebacking core is not. They've got a decent secondary, but Minka Fitzpatrick up top. So I think they I think they're gonna go over five hundred again.
0: And they're in the same division as the Cleveland Browns. They have a quarterback situation. Jacoby Brissett's there as well. And then the Bengals, they're gonna be good, of course. Yeah. I, I don't think the Bengals are anywhere near as good as they were uh last season. They literally had any and everything that could have gone their way happened. Yeah, couple Steelers, of insane kicks by the best. rookie kick.
1: I mean, sorry. The Steelers at best are going to be a wild-card team, though, in the AFC because just based off the AFC West alone, their own division, the AFC North, like you said, the Cleveland Browns to compete with. I mean, that, that, that division by itself is great, especially with the Ravens. Those are always a rivalry games. So I think you see if Deshaun Watson plays 16 games, you see Cleveland – You see the Ravens, of course, as long as Lamar Jackson can stay healthy. You've got the Titans who are always – it doesn't matter who they have at quarterback. Mike Vrabel is a great head coach, and they are a dirty team. I mean, they run the ball basically every first and second down. So it's going to be tough to make the playoffs for the Steelers. They're just going to have to have some accurate play. But that AFC, now that – I mean, if you look at it, it's absolutely insane. And I think that the Super Bowl champion is most
0: likely going to be out of the AFC. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think there's a couple of teams in the NFC, of course, that are really good, but there's far few in between, far few in, between in comparison to the AFC. The AFC has six, seven, eight teams that I think could be legitimate contenders. When I look at the NFC, I, I see four to five that are legitimate contenders at most, maybe even just three. But it's going to be fun to see this all unfold. And, of course, with first week of preseason officially underway this upcoming weekend, We're going to have to delve into our predictions. I think we need to do a podcast either this weekend or the following or just before the official start of the NFL season in terms of week one to talk about our standings, our preseason predictions, our Super Bowl matchup, everything, all things considered right here on the Chris Mathis podcast. Yeah,
1: whenever the NFL season starts, like after the preseason, I don't think we should do that before the the actual NFL regular season starts, but... I think two-a-weeks should be the norm during that time because we can make predictions on Wednesday or whatever and then recap the game Sunday night or, or Monday and just post it and you guys can listen to it after that. But, yeah, whenever the NFL season
0: kicks into gear, this podcast is going to go full. No doubt about it. Again, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok YouTube, at TCM underscore pod. Check the links down below for all of our TikToks, our uh, Instagram, every link that you could possibly want and or need. It is listed down below. That does it for the Chris Mathis Podcast. As for Spencer, I'm Chris. Catch you guys next week.